Happy New Year. We made it, 2023, wow. Hey, uh, welcome to First Church. So glad everybody's with us today. And if you are new, if this is your first time, my name is Matt. It's uh, nice to have you here, great to have you here. And uh, so uh, we're thankful that you chose to join us today. And uh, right now, we have many who are joining us online as well. So if you're in the room with me right now, would you join me in welcoming in our online family? Good to have you all with us today. Yeah, hey, uh, we hope everybody had a wonderful Christmas celebration. We had a great Christmas celebration here at First Church. It was uh, awesome. I have personally dubbed our Christmas celebration here the Year of Burnt Hair. We had uh, three confirmed, but I heard even this morning somebody was telling me about a fourth incident I didn't know, know anything about. So anyway, hey, all I can say is we warned you, all right? And, uh, and if that was, if you're one of those that uh, your hair got caught on fire at the candlelight, I hope it grows back well. So that's all I can say. So anyway, but uh, no, it was a great uh, Christmas celebration here. And again, we hope that you had a wonderful celebration yourself, all right? But once again, here we are. Christmas season is over. We are into a new year. And we hope, of course, we hope it is a Happy New Year, of course, right? Uh, that's what we're all hoping for as we look ahead to this next year and uh, hoping that it is gonna be good. But for some, you look back on 2022 and 2022 was a good year, right? You, you, got new, you had new opportunities, you had great celebrations. Uh, if you're like us, you added to your family, you had new little ones that came along and I was reminded, informed, chastised, um, that I have not shown any pictures Pictures of our granddaughter, little Indy Blake. So today, you're going to get to see her. Yeah, yeah. So this is Miss Indy. Is she not beautiful? I mean, she's awesome. Everything about her. There she is in front of the trees. I mean, come on. She's awesome. You just have to admit that, right? So this last Friday evening... Uh, I had my first opportunity to watch her all by myself. For over an hour, I was with her. We watched football. <clears throat> we watched football together until she started to cry and scream and everything else. Anyway, but I by myself put her to sleep, got her in her crib. Yeah! Am I, not, am I not the greatest pops ever? I mean, come on. No, she is pretty awesome, though. Anyway, hey, uh, back to 2022. Hopefully your 2022 was awesome as well, and uh, hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully it was a year of great things. But for others, you look back on the last year, and 2023 can't get here quick enough, Right? I mean, you, you look back on the next last year and there was hurt and there was challenge and there was heartbreak and there was loss and you're hoping, you're hoping that this new year will be better, will be good. You're hoping that this can be a reset, right? You can do a, a reset in, in your life. Wouldn't it be nice if life had a reset button? You know, like it's, it's just right back here. You just hit it and you know, boom, you know, boom, everything's better now. You know, unplug it for 10 seconds, plug it back in, you know, and boom, it's all good. Wouldn't it be nice? 
if life had that, but, but it doesn't. But we hope that that can happen. We hope for a reset. We come to this time of year, and we like to do a reset, that new year reset. Now, typically, that is a physical reset, right? I mean, we're coming off of Thanksgiving and we're coming off of Christmas and all that that brings with it, all the food and all that, and the average American gains six pounds over this season, right? You know, I haven't even put myself on a scale, so hopefully I'm not there. But anyway, but we do that, we do a physical reset a lot of times, right? We go get all the clothes off the treadmill, you know, it's become a clothes hanger, and clear it all off. We start walking on the treadmill, we get back to the gym, and we might say something, we might say something like this, this time of year, this is a new year and a new me, right? Have you ever said that? <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're gonna start over, you know, it's a whole new day, right? Whole new year. But when that doesn't work, maybe we say something like this. This time, it's gonna be different, right? Just like last year, you know? I'm starting over, it's a reset. And we try. Physical training, physical reset, that's good. I mean, Paul even said physical training is of some value. I mean, we, it's good. But we like to do a physical reset this time of year. But it is also an opportunity for a spiritual reset. It's an opportunity for us to, to, to do an examination of our hearts and our relationship with Jesus because after a, a busy year filled with distractions, we, we might come to a realization that our relationship with Jesus has taken a back seat. We've allowed the things of this world to take a higher priority than the creator of this world. And deep down, we know that because of that, because we're not walking close to Jesus, maybe like we once did, our life seems to be without purpose, our relationships are suffering, our anxiety is raging, and our shame, well, it can be unbearable. And so we realize, we recognize it's time for a reset. And, and what do we do? We go and we find the Bible, find it first. It's underneath some junk over in the corner of the room. We clear it off and think, okay, I'm gonna start reading again. I'm gonna get back into that. And, and we get started to do a reset. Maybe you're here today because of that, right? It's like, all right, we're back to church. We got, we're gonna get back in and this is a great Sunday to do that. We're gonna... We're gonna get things back where they need to be. Let's get back into church. And if that's you, we're glad you're here, right? We're, we're super thankful that you made that choice. Now, for others, maybe you look at your life and you've never been a follower of Jesus. But if you examine your life, you realize, man, what I'm doing now, what I've been doing through my life, it's, it's just not working. There, there's gotta be something else and you wanna do a reset, and maybe that's brought you here as well, maybe that's why you're with us online, and it's like, oh, I'm gonna try something else. And, and if that's you, we're glad you're here too, <laughs> because we believe we have a message of hope. Truth is, we can all use a reset. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a church that seemed like they may have needed to be reset. 
It's the church of Colossae. It's the letter to the Colossians, all right? Uh, It's where we're going to be. Colossians chapter 3, to be exact. If you have your Bibles or your app, get there. That's where we're going to be spending all of our time this morning. Colossians chapter 3. And Paul is writing from a prison cell to a church that he had never had the opportunity to go visit. And many of those in the church there had come out of a pagan lifestyle, pagan worship, and they had found a new life in Jesus, a life with freedom, a life with grace. And as you walk through Paul's letter, he begins by commending them for their faith, commending them for holding on to the hope that they found in Jesus He gives them warning, hey, be careful, there's false teachers out there, pay attention, don't let them uh, rob you of your faith, watch out for that. He goes into chapter two, reminds them again of their faith and the steps that they took to to place their faith in Jesus, being baptized into him in verse 12. He, He walks them through that and then you come to chapter three and he begins to maybe remind them of the perspective change that they should have gone through, should be going through in this new life. He reminds them that this new life is to result in a new perspective. In this new life we have in Jesus, we're to have a whole new perspective on this world and on our lives. Look at verse one. He starts by saying this there. If then you have been raised with Christ, let's stop there. If then you have been raised with Christ, he's pointed to what he just got through talking about a few sentences earlier. He's pointing to their baptism. In chapter two, verse 12, it's there that he says, having been buried with him, with Jesus, in baptism and raised with him through your faith and the power of God who raised him from the dead. He's saying, if that's you, if you indeed have been raised, if you've taken that step in your faith, you've walked into the water, somebody dunked you under the water, you died to the old self, you rose to a new life in Christ, if that's you, then there's another expectation. You should have a new perspective. Look at, keep going in that verse. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Seek the things that are above. Not the things down here, not the things below, where you have been seeking. No, now we, we bring our attention up to the things of God and the ways of God and what God desires for us. Not the things that often distract us in this life. But we're to seek after those things that are eternal. So Paul gives this challenge Because we don't always seek the things that are above, right? Apparently, maybe some in that church, they they had found themselves getting back into their old ways. Maybe they had been drifting back towards pagan worship. And he says, no, 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 lift your eyes. Get back to where God's called you to be. Seek the things that are above. You see, we spend a lot of time in this life and in this world seeking and searching, don't we? A lot of it we've been searching on Google, right? Google searching and whatever. But not everything that we're looking for is found on Google. 
as we're looking for those things to bring satisfaction and bring fulfillment. We walk through this life and this life is filled with all kinds of pop-up ads, right? Temptations just constantly coming at us. And many of those temptations come with, with similar messages. One of those messages might be this, I will satisfy. I, do, do this, take this, drink this, go here, go there, I will satisfy. If you take me, I will satisfy. Or, or maybe if it's not that message, maybe it's this message, I will make you significant. If you get this job, if you achieve this salary, if you purchase this home, if you buy this car, if you buy, go down the list of all the things that we go after in this life and the message that they're trying to communicate is, I can make you more significant. If you have me, if you achieve me, people will look up to you. And those temptations are around us every day. And Paul says, seek things that are above where Christ is in glory. In verse one, he's talking about our moral character. The, those things that we seek after, those things that we pursue to find fulfillment and satisfaction, we are to live with this eternal perspective and not just an idea, a search for momentary satisfaction. Jesus said something very similar over in Matthew chapter six, Sermon on the Mount. He said, very familiar verse, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. We are to seek first his kingdom, the eternal we are to be determined to go after the ways of God and the things of God. We are to have a, a kingdom perspective in this new life, this new life that we have that has new purpose, new passions, new priorities, new, a new destination. And when we reset our life on Jesus, we can have a new perspective on it all. But the new life in Jesus also results in a new way of living. Not just a new perspective, but the way in which we think and the way we act in this world. Keep going in verse two, look at that with me. It says this, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Now it's very easy to read that verse and go, oh, Paul just repeated himself. He's trying to make a really good point here. But it's, no, he's not exactly repeating himself. There's some different word usage in here. Verse one is more about moral decisions. Verse two is more about mental. How we think, how we act. Verse one is more about you are to see the world differently. Verse two is now, now the world is to see something different in you. So we seek after Jesus and we're to be devoted to becoming more like him. And when we say yes to Jesus in this new life, we say yes to his lordship in our lives. We give him control and we strive to, to live the way that he has called us to. All the standards and expectations that we see in God's word, we don't do those to be saved. We do those because we are saved and we wanna become more and more like our savior. We love the idea of having a new life in Jesus. 
But then there's something else that we deal with. Something else called the way I want to live. The way I want to live my life. I mean, this is the way I've always done it. This is the way that I want to do it. And sometimes the way I want to live my life comes into conflict, conflict with seeking the things that are above, right? And when those things come into conflict, when those two different ideas, the way I want to live and the way God calls me to live with this eternal mindset, when those come into conflict, I have a decision to make, a choice to be made. And and some, at that juncture, <laughs> they choose to reject Jesus. And yes, we can do that. God gives us the ability to reject him. We call that free will, and many do. Others will make an excuse. I cannot follow a God who, fill in the blank, who lets bad things happen to good people or go down the list of excuses that people make not to follow Jesus. But one of the more, more common decisions, choices that we hear today is the idea that we can reshape Jesus and what he says to fit the way we want to live. We look at, some will take God's word and they will reshape it and say, well, the author maybe didn't exactly mean that and maybe it means more like this. And if you really look at the context and, and, and they build a theology and a doctrine around their lifestyle that doesn't align itself with God's truth. Paul says, if you've been raised to this new life, then you have a new way of thinking and a new way of living. And the old way of living, doing what you want, is dead. It died. And you've been risen to a whole new life. Paul continues, look at verse three. For you died, you died to the old life, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ. It was interesting in those days, the Greeks had a saying when somebody died and was buried, they were hidden in the earth. It's a common phrase that they would use. They're hidden in the earth. They've been buried. Paul takes that phrase out of that culture, repurposes it, and says, no, well, Yes, but no. If you died spiritually, you have been hidden with Christ. You've been buried with Christ. There's an echo of Romans chapter six here. You've been buried with him to raise to a new life. You've been hidden with him. You have literally covered up with Jesus now. So when God looks down on a believer, on one of his children, he doesn't see us in our sin. He sees Jesus in his sinlessness because we've been covered with Jesus. And when others see us in our new life, they should see a new us because we've been covered with Jesus and we're becoming more like him. When others hear us in our new life, they should hear a different us, right? because we're trying to become more like Jesus. We've been made new and we're to be different because we are covered up 
by Jesus. Now, notice as you keep on going, go into verse four, and it says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Jesus is not just in your life. He is your life, right? He's like all you're about. He is your singular pursuit. He is your life when you step into the new life in him. And when we have Jesus, when, we, when he is our life, we walk through this life with a whole new hope. Our hope is eternal. Our hope is that one day he's gonna come back in glory like Paul says here, and we will appear with him. We will step into eternity with him. And we celebrate that, right? Now, I have a confession to make. I've preached this sermon before. I actually totally forgot about it until I got right in through here. I thought, man, the things I'm reading and studying, this all sounds familiar. And I went and checked through my sermon files. Sure enough, way back, I preached this message. And I stopped right here in the text. I mean, it's a good place to stop. I mean, we stop at heaven, right? That's something to celebrate. Yes, we're with Jesus. We're gonna spend eternity with him. Woo, amen. Let's all pray. Thousands were baptized that day, and it was awesome. That's the way I remembered it. Anyway, but Paul goes on in the text. It's a, uh, but wait, there's more moment in the text, right? He keeps on going, and he goes on to lay out some practical expectations for this new life that we have signed up for. And, and this is pretty typical for Paul's letters. Paul, a lot of times when he would write his letters to the churches, he would start with theology, and then he would end with the practical. Okay, so here's what it should mean to you. Look at verse five. Put to death... Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Die to the old self. Now there's some things in, in your down here kind of living that you need to kill. You need to, to put to death. And then he lists off those things we need to kill. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. This is the part of the text where it starts to get a little uncomfortable, right? When, when Paul starts giving us these lists, and this isn't an exhaustive list. I mean, he lists other things and other letters that we ought to, ought to do away with. But when he begins to list these things off, it's like, oh, yeah. That's where we start doing a self-examination and we start thinking through the things that we've struggled with and we are struggling with. And he says, these are the things we're to put to death. This gives us a glimpse back to when Jesus said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Remember that text? And it's like, ooh, Jesus was serious about us getting rid of sin, right? That's where Paul's at here. Put it to death. It's time to do surgery, cut it out, get it out of your life. And he starts with sexual immorality, impurity, and lust. Those three that he starts with could just be wrapped up into any sexual activity that is outside of God's plan 
of one man with one woman in the covenant of marriage. Anything outside of that, we need to cut out. We need to do away with. Next, he says, evil desires, which has an idea that having a passion for doing wrong things. You just, you're just bent towards being bad. And we need to get rid of greed, which he says is idolatry. It's the idea of a, of a life that is all about getting and not giving, right? Greed, in our culture, it's really easy to, to make that synonymous with, well, you shouldn't have a big house and a big boat and nice cars, you know. No, 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 it's a heart. God might bless you with big houses and, uh, and boats, and, but how are you using them for his kingdom work and for his purpose and his glory? Greed is a heart issue that says, I, I, I want more instead of I want to give more. We, and he says that's idolatry. It goes back to what we talked about. I will satisfy. Greed says, I'm gonna get more of these things because these things promise me satisfaction or these things promise me significance and so I want more of that. And he says, we need to cut out that way of thinking because it's idolatrous and we live in a world, a culture full of idols everywhere. So Paul comes out of that list, cut out all these things, and then he gives a warning about these things. He says, because of these, these things I've just listed, the wrath of God is coming, right? And there's punishment for sin that is promised in God's word, and that's the whole point in Jesus coming to the cross to take our place, to, to do away with God's wrath, to pay the price for, for us. God's wrath is still coming, though. You used to walk in these ways, and this down here lifestyle, when you live the way you did in that pagan lifestyle and the life you once lived, that used to be you. That was your old life, but you died of that. Now you're in a, you're in a new life and you're gonna be different. And you need to put these things to death. Now, if you read that first list, okay, that Paul gives there of the things to put to death, if you read that and you go, oof, I think I'm good. I don't think I've got any of those going on in my life right now. Just wait, he's got, a, he's got more. <laughs> There's another list. But also, if you thought that, I would say, pause, think again, right? Think again. Paul keeps going. Says there's more spiritual surgery that we need to do. Look at verse eight. But now you must rid yourselves, kill these things also, for all such things as these, anger, Rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Oh, got me on the last one. Verse nine, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. When he says anger, he's talking about quick anger. It's a flash, boom. Simple thing sets you off. It's a flash anger. You throw the grenade and you walk away. And somebody might get blown up and you really don't care. That's anger. Rage is a long anger. It smolders. And if you 
ever been around a campfire, you know when there's a smoldering coal, sometimes you got to go and blow on it. And you got to get that red hot again. You just let that anger keep festering. And eventually, over time, more and more people are going to get burned. That's rage. Malice is just having evil intentions. We have thoughts that go through our minds and we, we act on them. And they're evil. Slander is insulting others, basically. Filthy language from your lips, that covers pretty much anything that comes out of your mouth that doesn't honor God. So I've got a list of cuss words. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. <laughs> what comes out of your mouth? And then he ends in verse 9. Don't lie to each other. Be people of integrity, right? Be honest. Because you've taken off that old self with all of its practices, get rid of all that. Because I've been raised to this new life, I can and I should get rid of all of these things. Put to death all these earthly things, all these down here ways and set my mind on things above. And if we do, if we take all those things off now, now what? Now that's where verse 10 comes in. Now that you've taken all those things off, all those practices, and have put on the new self in this new life, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Says, he's saying it's time for a reset. This is, this is renewal language being remade in the image of Jesus, our creator. We are striving now to become more and more like him. Paul says, verse 12 and 13, instead of living all those old ways, verse 12, therefore, instead of all of that, now that you've put all those to death, therefore, as God's chosen people, we're his chosen people, right? Those who've placed our faith in Christ, we have been chosen by God. This is an inclusive language, not exclusive language, right? You're a part of the chosen people, everybody else, too bad, you're out. No, this is inclusive. Anybody who will come and place their faith in Jesus can be a part of the chosen. It says we are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, set apart, loved by God, clothe yourselves with, and now he lists what the clothes we're supposed to put on. We took off all the other stuff, now we're supposed to put on these things, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Sounds very similar to the fruit of the Spirit that he lists over in Galatians chapter five. Again, not an exhaustive list, but hey, here's some of the ways that we should be acting in this new life in Jesus. So my question is, does that verse describe you? When people talk about you, do they say, man, he is so kind. He's just the nicest gentleman. She is so humble. She is always putting others first. She's so patient. I mean, when that, when that customer came in and yelled at her, she just took it. She was just so patient with them and worked with them. I don't, I don't think I could do that. People say that about you. 
He's so forgiving. Does that describe you? In our new life, it should. It is supposed to. Paul goes on, look at verse 14. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Love is the cartilage that holds it all together. And this new life has this description about it. It's peace. Look at verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. Let peace We're called to be a people of peace. It's amazing how many times Paul in his letters calls his people to peace. So the question is, how do we do this? How how do we reset our focus on the things that are above, setting our, our minds on things above? How do we seek the things that are above? How do we put to death the old and live in this new life? And I'll tell you, it's not easy. It it is a process, and it is it is a lifetime adventure. And we cannot do it on our own. That's why God gives us the Holy Spirit, right? That's in us, that who's, who's working in us to make us more like him. But Paul then begins to give us a how-to section in verses 16 and 17. How do we embrace this new way of living? Look at verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Stop there. What do we need to do? We need to study God's word. You ever heard that before? Yeah, we need to be in God's word. We need to, we need to open up our Bibles and we need to, to open up the, the lines of communication between God and us and allow God to speak to us through his word. Recently, studies have come, come out about the biblical illiteracy of America and even worse, the church in America and how little believers know about God's word. Listen, people. The Bible we have is God's word and he is speaking through us, to, to us through it. Don't lose the significance of that, right? Every day we ought to be opening up his word and learning from him. Keep going. We're to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to grow in community in relationships with like-minded fellow believers. We are to grow together. That's why groups are so important. And as we're heading into a new year, this is a great time to get plugged into a group here where to grow in community. But we don't just grow in community. We also worship in community. Keep going in the verse. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God, We grow together and we worship together. There is just something about when the church comes together and worships. We experienced that this morning in this time that we had together today. It it was amazing to be in here and, and worship and lift up the name of Jesus together and in the words of the songs that we sang to be reminded of how awesome God is. And we get to lift up those voices to him and just give him praise together. And then when we're doing that, guess what? We're looking around at each other and going, I'm not alone. I'm not here by myself. There's other people that worship with me, like-minded, all trying to live this new life. 
And then Paul wraps up this section in verse 17. Keep going. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, which means whatever you do in word or deed, (laughs) do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Live for him. Whatever you find yourself doing, going to work, going at your home, on the team, in the classroom, at Walmart, wherever you are, you're living for Jesus, making much of Jesus everywhere you go. And then finally, he wraps it up by saying, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He ends with prayer and thanksgiving. He ends with communication. He starts with communication, open up God's word, allow him to speak to you. And then he ends with communication. Now you speak to him with thanksgiving. Talk to God. We are to be in constant communication with our Father. Paul says, these are the things that we are to do as we seek the things that are above. This is the life we're called to. We've been using the word reset, New Year's reset. But we're really talking about something else today. It's this word, repent. New Year's reset just sounded a whole lot better than New Year's repent. (laughs) But that's really what we're talking about. If we look at a definition of repent, it's this, to rearrange your entire way of thinking feeling and being in order to forsake that which is wrong, to forsake sin, to turn our back on sin. And as we examine our lives, as we examine the last year, we look at our lives and let's be honest, we all have sin. We all continue to fall short. And as we walk in this new life, we should constantly be coming to the Lord in repentance, acknowledging sin, leaning into his mercy and grace, changing, rearranging everything about the way we think, the way we act, our entire being, to become more and more like Jesus. That's what we're called to. And so, for many of us, maybe we need to start this room, this year with repentance. Then God can continue to build in us that new life that he has called us to. Set your life on Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, we, we know that we fall short. God, as we each take a moment and just ponder and look over our lives and examine our hearts and examine our minds, God, we pray that your spirit that is in us, you promised your spirit, that, that he would help us to identify those things that we need to cut out, that we need to put to death, whether it's on Paul's list here or not. God, just help us to examine ourselves and and start over. Help us to start this year with a fresh look upon this life 
with a new perspective, an eternal perspective, God. It's so easy for us to go through this life and feel defeated and go through this life and get just inundated with everything around us and, and lose sight of you, God. Help us, God, to, to stay in your word and to, to, to stay in step with fellow believers and to just grow in you and be in communication with you, God. Pray that you'd help every one of us as we step into this new year. to follow you and to be more like you. God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy that makes it possible. God, you're awesome. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.